the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Loving That Sports Talk with your host, James Loving. If you're looking for a fast-paced show that covers football and so much more, this is the place to be. Now, here's your host, formerly of the Philadelphia Eagles, James Loving. This is James Loving, your host of Loving That Sports Talk. And, uh, you know, every time I do this show, it's just like, they just make me smile when I get a friend that, not only that you play with, you know, but a friend that, uh, shoot, when I was playing with the Eagles, you know, we used to sit around and talk and just somebody to, to help me go through what I was going through with been there. But, I mean, oh, man, when I when I got his message, I was so happy and smiling. But let me, let me stop pumping it up, you know. But I want to introduce everybody. Uh, my guest, Dominic Fitz. Yeah, Doc. I'm here, Doc. How you doing? I'm doing all right. Well, before we get started, Doc, now, uh, Tell us listeners off there, you know, where you played in college and where you played in the uh, NFL. Well, played uh, college at, at Syracuse and, and was fortunate to, to be on a team in 1987 that got as high as fourth in the country. We had a, man, we just had a great team all around and, and, and had some good things happen for us. And and then, then joined the Philadelphia Eagles in 1988. We spent a little time with you down there in Philly and Randall Cunningham, that whole crew, and Buddy Ryan and Reggie White and and that was another blast just to, to be on a team with, with such great players and, and then left there and went up to the Canadian Football League and actually before there went to, to uh, Houston Oilers uh, down with Warren Moon for, for a season and then um, uh, up to uh, Canada and played in the CFL uh, with the, the uh, Hamilton Tiger Cats and the uh, Ottawa Rough Riders and spent about uh, five seasons up in Canada. How was that though? Uh, now let's listen know that um you was running up for the Heisman. I was. You know, in fact, you know, James, this is this is 25 years. I hate to say how long it's been since since I was in college, but it's been 25 years, and uh, I'm getting reminded almost on a daily basis how old I am because I, I keep getting these phone calls about 25 years ago. So it's, it's 25 years from since the 1987 team in Syracuse went undefeated. It's 25 years from... Uh, when I won the Davey O'Brien Award as best quarterback in the country, and I just got a phone call today um, uh, from from James, Jim Whalen at the, at the uh, uh, Heisman Trophy because it's 25 years that I was a run up at the Heisman Trophy, and uh, and so they're they're trying to bring back a couple of the guys that were uh, Gordy Lockbaum from Holy Cross, who was the two way player, myself, and um and then of course the winner that year was Tim Brown so uh they just called me today and asked me if I come to the dinner and be a runner up again and I like a dope I said yes <laughs> Okay well uh Brian, before we get started we got another guest on line Paula are you there Hey James Good how are you Pete Good Can you hear me 
Yeah, I can hear you. All right, Dom and Fish. And, um, I, hey, Dom, I guess Paula want to get on here and talk about those Giants. Go ahead, Paula. <laughs> yes, our Giants are back in the World Series. Okay, we are pumped up here in the Bay Area. Go ahead, Don. I'm gonna let you talk with on that one, Don. Well, I'm not. I'm not I told you, I'm not much much of a baseball guy. I, but my, when when the baseball season comes around, that's when it's time for me to go out and go fishing. So I'm. I, I don't know much about baseball, but I, but I, I tell you what. I, what I do know is that uh, I was just out in the Bay Area, and there, there's nothing like a game. Uh, you know, in, in San Francisco, an afternoon game in San Francisco. The crowd was great. Um, it's a beautiful place for baseball. I, I'm. And I tell you something else. I'm glad y'all in it, and the Yankees are not, because I'm out here in New York, and these Yankee fans, when they get into the playoffs, just get a little too crazy for me. <laughs> but Don, this is also not this is also Niner country out here too, though. So I mean, you know, we can talk Forty Niners or Giants, whatever. <laughs> let's let's talk some Stanford. Some I'm a I'm a college guy. I told love. I the, the NFL. I, I tell you, I, I'm glad that the Forty Niners are having the kind of season they're having because it just makes the it just makes the whole football landscape that much more interesting. Well, well, Paula, Don played with Syracuse and run off for uh, Heisman and uh, played with me at the Eagles and went on to other. Uh, you have any questions for him about college? He, do we want to talk college today, Paula? Oh, okay. College. Okay. You have a question for him, Paula? No, not right now on college. Oh, well, who's your team? You know, the Aztecs are my team back from back in the day, San Diego State. But, you know, being up here in the Bay, I do follow Stanford. So, Well, Paul, let me ask you a question. If you're a San Diego State fan, what do you think about them, the, the prospect of them coming into the Big East? Well, I mean, I think that conference is kind of out of our league, you know, being, you know, based on the schools that we're used to playing. And, you know, they should probably stay in the conference that they're in. And you know, get some bowl wins playing against teams that they're that are more on their skill level. I think. Yeah, I I, I agree with you. But they're they're scheduled to join along with Boise, Boise yeah. and mm-hmm. SMU and and Houston. They're, they're scheduled to join the Big East next week. I cover the Big East back in back here in New York. Um, we do the Big East game in a week, and you know, there's, there's you know a lot of. A lot of uh, trepidation about them coming into the conference along with Boise and, and uh, SMU and Houston only because it, the thought was that they're coming in for the automatic qualifier bid uh, that the Big East has. But the question is whether or not that, that, that AQ status is going to continue uh, with the BCS next year. So um, it's, it's an interesting time. It, you know, it's one thing, the difference between, you know, pro, pro sports and college sports is that college sports seems to change almost, you know, these past few years seems to change every year. And, you know, that point you just made, Paul, about the, the you know, competition level and getting those bowls, it, it's becoming a, a have and a have not. And if you can't compete at the highest level, then, then those bowls are going to start shrinking. There's so many bowls out there right now, but the value of those bowls are going to go down dramatically when you have the very top play teams and schools playing each other and then everybody else at the bottom. So San Diego State's trying to get into that upper echelon by joining the Big East. Yeah. Well, well Don, I got a question. I know, I know Paul probably thinks this too, but, you know, um, you have all these Heisman everywhere, these players that, you know, going through the Heisman. Is it hard to maintain every game week after week to keep that, or do they? Is that on their mind every game? You know, I'm I'm, I'm in the Heisman, and so I gotta have a great game. Is that hard to keep it going every week? You know, it's I so know hard. when you it's was a running for it. 
What's that again? Because when you was up five, I mean, you, you know you like, can't throw two interceptions or lose the game. How tough is that? You, you know what? Is what the crazy thing is I wasn't even, like, being talked about for the highs until week five. And, and so that was good for me because I didn't get involved in all the hype of it. But once you get into it, you know, you, you really do have to put blinders on. But I tell you the difference between then and, and now. And, and now is you can't, you can't have a hiccup without people knowing that you hiccuped. You know, you can't, you know, you can't do anything now because of social media, because of, of so many different media platforms, shows like, like this. There's just so many people out there talking and hyping players and, and hyping stats and all that on a regular basis that it's hard. It, it, it's hard for, um, for players. I was, I was just at, on campus of Ohio State yesterday and to see that their facilities and what they do, those players go down to that facility in the afternoon and they don't leave until, you know, late that night. Everything is down there for them. And, and, and so the idea is that you keep them isolated from all the chatter and all the talk that goes on. And that was great years ago. And, we, you know, we all had that. You had that, you know, they could hide you all day and keep you away from the media. But now these kids are walking around with the media in their pocket. They walk around with 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 between Twitter and Facebook and uh, and, and having the ability to get on the, the internet on their PDAs on the on their smartphones, uh, you know they they are they're wired and they're connected. So it's it's a lot harder than it's used than it used to be. And now because all that information is out there, players are seeing it on a regular basis and they're in, they're engaging it. You know some schools have rules that they don't want these kids on social media. They don't want them on Twitter. Uh, but that's almost impossible to do when, when guys are walking around with cell phones in their pocket. They give them direct access to the fans, and, and some, in some cases, vice versa. So it, it's difficult. And, and if you see a, a young guy now, you see these kids now, I'm, I admire them for the focus they have uh, to go out and perform at the level they do because there are a lot of distractions now that, that didn't exist when we were coming up. Don, with the Heisman, I mean, do you think, because I know being out here in California, whenever the Heisman is getting time close to voting, our radio stations, a lot of times the guys are talking about, you know, the players out here in the West don't get the same hype as those, like, back on the East Coast teams and then the South teams. Like, with Andrew Luck, you know, it seemed like um, they were saying, like, some people might not even been watching his games, like the Heisman voters, mm-hmm. because they just don't follow Stamper, because it's not as big as, like, some of the schools that you're going to find on the East Coast and stuff. I would, you know, there's a, there's two points there. One is I totally agree with you. And, and being here, and, you know, I'm a college football junkie, so I watch until I watch college football final at 1 o'clock in the morning on Saturday night because I have to watch Saturday night live. And then I watch college football final at 1 o'clock. And I'll even, I'll even tune in and catch, catch the, the West Coast games, uh, if there's a game I need to see. Cause I, I do vote on a couple of different awards, okay. coach of the year and, and one of the quarterback awards. And so when, when luck was coming out, I pay, and you know you have a vote, and you know he's a phenom, so you, you watch. And so for the college football uh, faithful, for the people who make it, you know, like myself, who make it our business, we see the players. You know, so we see LaMichael James, and we see, you know, all the players on the West Coast that, that people are hyping, um, and, you know, especially guys like Barkley and, and other guys that, that we know about that are the big names that, that get the hype. Um, we, we will pay attention. Now, whether or not people are watching those games uh, to see the real nuanced players, and this is my problem, because the Heisman Trophy in particular uh, has become a popularity contest. 
And you know, now that you have all these other individual awards, um, you can you can get your due if you're a defensive back or if you're a D lineman or an offensive lineman. You can get you can get some respect, but you're not going to win the Heisman. And and that to me is not a true testament of who the best player in the country is because there's been some defensive players and. An old lineman who never give up a sack, you know, and, and are averaging three or four yards a, a carry, you know, on their side of the ball, and you know, just players who are just phenomenal athletes and phenomenal college football players who will never win the Heisman because they they aren't the guys who are going to get the hype. Right. So, okay. You know, so it, it it does. You're right that the West Coast guys don't get a look from the general population, so they're not going to get. You know, it's going to be hard for them to get into the New York Times, which is a national publication. But let's face it, the New York Times is going to cover uh, East Coast a little bit more than the West Coast, and right. uh, you know, and so you you do get that bias, and you do get that bias also from ESPN. Uh, the guys at ESPN. <laughs> No question about it. The guys from ESPN will, will, can can ordain a Heisman Trophy winner in August. And all that kid has to do, is, as James just said, all that kid has to do is play consistent football throughout the year, and he will win the Heisman. And, so that, and that's why a couple of years ago you had Oregon come out and, and, um, and pub uh, Joey Har- uh, Harrington uh, in Times Square. He had a he had a big um, big billboard in, in 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 Times Square because they wanted the East Coast folks to know that they had a heck of a quarterback in Oregon uh, that that people should be paying attention to. That's why the Pac-10, well, they were the Pac-10 at the time, brought, brought all their coaches to Times Square to Nasdaq to to kick off their season because they wanted the East Coast media to know who these coaches were and let any of these coaches talk about their football team. So you're you're exactly right. There is there's no question about it. A bias, and and nowadays because there's so much college football on a Saturday and so many different networks, you can get a lot of people on the East Coast who get college football fatigue by like seven to eight o'clock at night, and West Coast teams are just kicking off. Right. So mm-hmm. you know there there definitely is an East Coast bias, and anyone tells you that it doesn't exist really is not watching and paying attention to what's happening in college football. Don, I count. I like that question of Paula and Justice to you because I was going to say the same thing. You have all these players over here and playing there, but. The smaller schools that don't get on TV because y'all have the same school, Michigan, another Dame, and you know, not like that. But you have a, other players that's out there that's great. It's not getting a pub. It should be, you know, maybe considered for the hybrid. That just stats are different. I think. Remember, Don, when we played, we had a guy that was, uh, I think, it was first round second for the Eagles, Jesse Small. Remember Jesse Don? Oh yeah, from Western Kentucky. He, right, he played from a small school. Remember that? Don? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and Buddy Ryan, if it wasn't for Rex, I believe it was Rex that was coaching him. Rex Ryan was coaching him in college, and that's how mm-hmm. Buddy found him. So it is like what Paul said, it's just notoriety. But the big dude that's on TV, you see them running and, you know, doing they doing. They go, oh, that's the Heisman, you know. You, you know, I mean, another, you know another, just think, another thing about that 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 I think is, is crazy, and, and I actually had heard somebody say this the other day, and it drove me it drove me crazy because it was about Oregon State that right now in both polls in the BCS standings and the AP poll are I think Oregon State is seven, and and so I was listening to someone talk about you know the difference between uh, Oregon State at six and zero versus Notre Dame at seven and zero and is Notre Dame a better football team and you know who's who's the better team you know in those two because um, sitting right beside, right between them is the only one lost team that that's in the. Uh, you know, well, at least Oklahoma six five and one, but but there's LSU at seven one right between Notre Dame and Oregon State. And I actually heard, you know, one of these guys, I think it was on ESPN, say uh, that that Notre Dame gets the nod just because they're Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. So you know, has the, you know, that you're voting on 
uh, you're not voting on on uh, uh, on uh, on the team that's taking the field. You're voting on New Rockney. You know, yeah. don't tell me you, you, that you're t- talking about the team that's on the field and you say that they get a nod just because you know the name of their school is Notre Dame. I mean, that's nonsense. But that's the kind of bias that does still exist in college football. And trust me, I'm someone who loves college football because I love the traditions of of the game. I love the pageantry uh, and, and the, the 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 you know what we still try to believe is is this you know school spirit of the games, and that's what to me is what what drives the the games and, and uh, the game that it is. But but you can't vote on a team just because you know they they have a good pedigree. You got to vote on a team that's playing that's taking the field that Saturday afternoon and say whether or not that team is a better team. That's why I don't like the I've never liked the polls, and um, you know I don't like the polls until I don't think the polls should come out until uh, mid season at, at, at best because you can get teams that can can position themselves early. On and then it's hard to knock them out if they keep winning. Well, Don, uh, Paulo, let me, we got to take a break, but when we come back, we'll still talk to you. And then, Paulo, you still stay on because, you know, this is great, man. Got Paulo calling in and being a co host with me. So, this is James Loving, your host of Loving That Sports Talk. I have my guest, Donald Fitz, a former Syracuse quarterback and um, runner up for the Heisman as NFL player with me. And then we got Paulo Marks from Northern California. We'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Are you looking for the ultimate trail to hike? Maybe you're looking to do the ultimate backpacking adventure. Whether you're a day hiker or an all-out backpacker, be sure to tune in to Backpacking America's Trails with host Rob Maureen. We'll explore some of the most fascinating places on Earth. In addition, we'll talk about backpacking gear, including reviews, safety tips, and more. Our experts will share recipes, destinations, and skills to make backpacking the most enjoyable experience for you. Listen every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Do you feel the need for speed? Whatever your addiction, NASCAR, IndyCar, NHRA, Formula One, or even lawnmower racing, Pit Pass USA has got you covered. Larry Henry here, host of Pit Pass USA. I put my 30-plus years of being a motorsports broadcaster to work to bring you not only the best guests, but also the most interesting guests in racing. Pit Pass USA with Larry Henry. Your front row seat to the world of racing. Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Sports Channel. Be there or get a DNF. When it comes to youth and high school football, listen each week to Coach Al Gross at First and Ten Football. Coach covers vital topics relating to the latest trend on a national level. Join Coach as he interviews personalities from the NFL, NCAA, and the top high school coaches from around the country. Catch all the interviews and get in-depth information online at www.firstandtenfootball.com. Your national resource for youth and high school football. First and Ten Football is... Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Sports. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're hooked up with loving that sports talk. 
James Loving and his guests want to hear it from you. Call us at 1-888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or drop an email to lovingthatsportstalk at yahoo.com. Now, back to the show. This is your host, James Loving, Loving That Sports Talk, and I got, like to say, former teammate and uh, just a great friend, you know, uh, former Syracuse quarterback and uh, runner for Heisman and NFL player, Don McPhail, you feel that, Don? I'm here. And now, uh, isn't how crazy it works out? You know, I got a great friend of mine that co-hosted the show with me today, Paula Marsh from uh, um, Northern California. You feel that play, P? That's right, that's right. Well, Paula, chime in and ask Don a new question, but I got a question for you, Don. This, all this debate, you know, because we're talking college. I know you don't want to talk about pro, but <laughs> talking college, you know. But before, before we end the show, Don, we still got to talk about, you know, the great times that went out with the Philly and, like, what I was going through and, you know, sitting there and sitting at your house and, you you know, just talking to me and telling me what to go through. And all. I just want to appreciate all you've done for me and you know what you've done, you know. I remember yeah. sitting at your house. You remember that, Don? <laughs> I, that's my pleasure, man. That's that's what I, you know. It's funny because I still, you know, I'm always talking. Even you know, for me, I just got a phone call from a guy that, that played up in the CFL, and, and he's getting into the work that I do now. And um, you know, I, I benefited from talking to so many so many guys when I was coming up, and and you know, even with my with peers like you, man, just sitting there and talking about how to get through all that and do it the right way. And and you know, we see so many guys now who, who have a difficult time after the game, and and um, you know, it's so important. I always encourage young guys, man, talk to people. Talk about what you're feeling, what you're going through, uh, just so you don't think you're, you're the only one going through it and, and, that, and that you're not going crazy. And, you know, and, and you never know when, you know, not just not just getting good advice and, and lending some good advice, but also making some good friendships along the way. So that was all my pleasure, man, just hanging with you. Yeah. Well, my question to you is this, this random rave about everybody, you know, I want to get it out there. Should college players be paid? You know what? I, I'm as we speak. I'm developing a a financial education program uh, called Safe Student Athlete Financial Education, and I've been working on this program for 12 years. And the very foundation of it goes back to uh, when I joined the alumni board at Syracuse, and someone asked me if. Um, why more athletes didn't get back, and I made the comment that you know a lot of guys felt like they they worked so hard, they actually worked for the university. Going back to that question, should they get paid? And then the next statement I got from that same person on that conference call was, "Well, you got a free education out of it," and which I resented because it, nothing felt free about the time. And you know, the time you spent at Wyoming, the time you put in, you worked hard. You we, we worked harder in college than we did in the NFL. The NFL, you get a day off. The NFL, you don't have to go to class, and you certainly don't have to go to class with the fans, right? So you work harder in college than you do in the NFL, and so I, it didn't feel like a free education to me. And, and what I realized at that, at that moment was that there's a missed opportunity to teach student-athletes about the value of their education and the value of their scholarship. And I don't, I don't think 
student athletes should be paid. I don't think it, I think it's an impossible proposition. I think that's why the NCAA is having some trouble trouble getting the stipend through because every situation, every school is in a different situation. Not all schools have the means to do it, and then you have to talk about what do you do about all the other sports, all the other student athletes in your department, and so it's a it's a hard thing to do. And I think it's also the wrong question. I don't think the question should be should we pay them or not pay them. I think the question should be we should be educating them. We should be educating them on the value of their education. We should be educating them on the value of of uh, of their scholarship. And, and on the value of the business. And, and right now, the way the NCAA has always functioned, it's, it's been functioning to protect student-athletes. But what we've done is we've protected student-athletes so much we've kept them ignorant to the business that they're in. I didn't know how much my scholarship was worth. And, you know, I sat with RG3 uh, back in February of last uh, of this year uh, and, and asked him the same question. You know how much your scholarship was worth? And, and, and no, and a lot of student-athletes, in fact, most have no idea. And then, you know, when you look at the, the, the aggregate of dollars spent, on their experience between tutors and housing and travel and facilities and equipment and all that, it, the number really doubles from what the actual scholarship is worth when you look at all the other services and support that student-athletes get that they would otherwise have to pay for. And so, um, I, you know, I, I think that there's a real necessary conversation that goes beyond very simply paying them because I don't believe that's the answer. I think that's a, you know, you can throw money at a lot of problems that, that, that are confusing and troubling, but they don't solve the problem. They just may satisfy some people's desire to have the problem go away, but it doesn't really go away. And what really needs to happen is we need to educate student-athletes about the value of, the, of, their, of their education. Yeah, question, Paula? No, he, I mean, I think, I mean, I think that's... Very good points that he's bringing up. Paying, you know, paying just paying them isn't going to just solve it right off the top like that. So it's it's best, like he's saying, you know, educate them on on all those aspects. But 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 Don and Paula, we sitting there and Don, you know, I'm not trying to put nobody out there. You know, that's not what I do. But you know how it is when college. You know, you sitting there. You know, I'm not trying to put no school out there. But one of the Wyoming was. You know, hey, go to practice. We need you. We need to get to this bowl game. You know what I'm saying? Yep. You, am I right, Don? Nah, I'm not trying to put Miami out there. That was the best school I ever went to. You know? But it's like, no. hey, we need to go to the bowl game. Was first, you know, but like you say, we need to educate. You're not educating a kid that comes out of the project and saying, hey, this is you educate him and say, hey, you got to play football to make that money, right? That's still going to always be in sports. You're not going to stop that. Am I right? You're not going to stop that, and that's why I say that the problem is really complex. I'll give you an example, and this is kind of a graphic example of what I'm talking about, because you have people that have been writing extensively about this issue and how the NCAA is being compared to you know, a cartel. There's the guy at... Taylor Branch, uh, the Atlantic Magazine, wrote an article last year, or maybe earlier this year, uh, called The Shame of College Sports, and he referred to the NCAA as a cartel. And, and Joe Nocera, another New York Times columnist, consistently refers to uh, the system in college sports and compares it to slavery, which, number one, shows his ignorance to what slavery was like, what slavery was about, because no slaves had the opportunity to go to class and, and, and get an education and have free housing and all the, you know, all the, all, all the things that, that, um, that student-athletes are afforded and the opportunities that they're afforded, uh, not to mention like, the fact of, of what slavery was actually like, um, which drives me crazy when I hear that comparison. 
and 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 on the other side of it is you have student athletes like the the, the three freshmen from Kentucky who are one and done. So they went to Kentucky, they win a national championship, and they bolt for the NBA. And uh, and every, and you have people saying, well, this was their opportunity to get you know to to reap the benefits and and get the benefits of playing at that level. And you know, like you said, where, where they're just being asked to win a national championship, not go to class. Well, if you put those two arguments together, I have a problem with the notion that. Uh, that somehow the uh, the system is exploitative of these guys, and this was their opportunity, and this was their way to get out of a system that was that was that was enslaving them, if you will. The problem I have with that is that slaves and and, and, and black people, we didn't get out of slavery um, through someone winning the lottery. We didn't get out of slavery because someone threw money at us. It got, we, we we transcended that condition through education. And so, if you understand how we you you move people beyond that. You know, you're talking about guys coming from the hood, right? If you got a guy coming from the hood and he goes to, to Kentucky for a year and just and doesn't get an education and just takes $5 million or $10 million or $50 million, he's going back to the hood with no education, with no way to lift up his community, with no way to, to, to bring more investment into his community. But if he goes to Kentucky and stays there for four years, he will network with every billionaire that comes through the Keeneland for the horse races, everyone who comes through through uh, Churchill Downs for the Kentucky Derby. He'll be the most celebrated guy because he stayed in his alma mater for four years. He'll be able to network with people who can bring resources back to his community, who can invest in his community like Magic Johnson has invested in the community. That's the key. So this whole notion that throwing money at these guys, all it does is just move them along the system. And the key is education. The key is when, when guys, when you have a, a student athlete who, who uh, will champion education because he stays in the school for four years because that's more important to him than playing in the NBA, that will trickle down into our community and then change the community, not the lottery ticket. The lottery ticket is the NBA draft. They call it a lottery for a reason because that's exactly what it is. And that's exactly what, how sustainable that, that model of success is. And so that, that's, that's a, I agree with you that uh, it's, it's never going to change, and it's never going to change as long as we say that playing in the NBA or playing in the NFL and getting a million-dollar contract is more important than an education because that's the key. That's the difference. You have some follow No, no, I'm good on that. I'm good. Well, I have something, Paul. You ain't gonna say it. I got something. Don, I know what you're saying. And you're sitting there and, and you said, I'm not disagreeing with you, Don. I can't disagree. You was my mentor at, at Philly, you know. Well, you can disagree, man. It's no, but I, I disagree with because you're sitting there, but all these players that, you know, you look at like, um, the war for, um, the Bears, you know, all these other guys. If you're making all this money, these millions, I know what you're saying about not, not the pro, but you're still with college. You're making all these millions. Why do you need to go invest in drugs? But you said in the education, they don't have an education, Don. So they got to look at some after football, and that's why they go and do these stuff, start selling drugs. You know what I'm talking about, Don? Like, you got, I'm like, I sit back and go, why would he want to sell drugs if he making millions on the Bears, you know, and all these other players that are getting caught to sell it? But they looking at something actual, because, like, what you said, Don, they have no education to fall back on. But they come back to the hood with they, their boys, that's what they into, and that's all they can invest in, Don. Am I right or wrong? No, you, you're exactly right, and and that is that is the problem. The problem is that that they don't have, um, and, and 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 again, you can you can look at them at the level that they're at, whether it's with the Bears or in the NBA or whatever it is. And yeah, if you start thinking about when it's time to educate them, then 
we're in trouble. And this is this is my point. And and the the problem is that you know those guys, any any guy who's playing in the NFL or the NBA right now, he was identified when he was six seven years old, and people started people started investing in them. And sometimes it's gangbangers, sometimes it's parents, sometimes it's, it's coaches, uh, and and people who and, and what that investment means is that he no longer has to be a thinking person. He no longer has, needs an education because he can find. And I've, I see it all the time. We had a young man here on Long Island a couple years ago. His mother was 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 living off of his future, and the kid didn't even have a future yet. And the kid never never went to class. He failed out. He went to uh, went to West Virginia and failed out of West Virginia before his first semester. Then came to junior college and got kicked out of there because he never went to class. Because no one ever asked him and no one ever forced him and told him that's more important than than playing ball. And that's what happens. The kids get identified early, and everyone in the system starts pushing them along because that kid becomes the lottery ticket. And so, yeah, you know, a guy who makes it to the NFL and has a lot of money and has never had to be educated about how to handle money or handle a lifestyle or have an education to see that there's more ways to make money than selling drugs, that's all he's going to do because that's all he knows. And, you know, and you, you can't. It's easy to look at that guy and call him a moron, an idiot, and all that, but you have to look at the entire family, school, community that he came from that did not nurture those things out of him. It sounds good what he's saying. Okay. My thing is, uh, what he's saying is, yeah, it sounds good like Paul said, sounds good and all like that. But you still is not going to take a young kid that's 21 that's going to make that money. He don't know what he's doing with that money. You know what I'm saying? No, you know, I, you, Jay, you, I agree with you. At, at, at 21, at, 21 when, when, at 22 when I got to the Eagles and my uh, first paycheck was $5,000, I had no idea what to do with that $5,000. Yeah, I remember, remember our camp check for 500 Remember that? Yeah. I was like, man, we went to the rat, remember? <laughs> We're right, straight, straight to the rat. <laughs> First, second, third round was on me. <laughs> yeah, we didn't know, but we were just spending. What we done? Happily. Happily. So how do you think these players now, that they get more than that, Don, what they going to do? Well, it's evident what they're doing. They're spending and spending, and that's why, I don't know if you saw the documentary broke a couple of years ago, that's why so many players are broke, you know, two, three, four years out of the league. And, and you know, it goes back to, you know, something we were talking about earlier, which which is part of, of the, um, you know, part of the story here is that there's a lot more information out there and there's a lot more access to information. So, you know, like we were talking about earlier with social media and all that, there's a lot more information out there and there's, and, and there's to, to say that you don't know is only because you chose to ignore it or because people around you chose not to hold you accountable. And, and I, I, and I work in, and that's why I, I spend most, more, most of my time in higher education and not at the professional league because you still have a chance. You still have a chance to educate people, but really you need to go down even lower than that. Uh, and and it's not you know there's time and time again there are kids who come out of bad neighborhoods who end up going to uh, four year institutions getting degrees and moving on and there are kids who nobody gave a chance to except the people around them said you're gonna get an education you're gonna learn to read and write and you're gonna get an education and what happens with a lot of these athletes as soon as they again as soon as they get identified you no longer have that that obligation you just gotta go play ball it's just and the, and the colleges do, do the same thing. 
They just want you to play ball. That's why the facilities are what they are. We're not going to ask you to do a lot of things outside of playing ball. That's all we want you to focus on. And that happens to, to these elite athletes. It happens to them when they're very, very young and they're, and they're no longer held accountable for all the other things that will make them successful in life outside of their game. Sorry, I mean to cut you off, but let's, let's, let's focus on that. I only got you for a little while, but I love this. Let's focus on that. Let's focus on the Saints, New Orleans Saints player that said the coach told them, go out and hit these guys, be a bounty. Let's focus on what well, I'm trying to make a comparison of the coach saying, the coach said, don't go to class. What they, you need to focus on playing. You know what I'm saying? You, you yeah. What I'm trying to make the point is, if your coach tell you, don't go to class and don't worry about education, you're going to be in the NFL or the NBA or whatever, that's what you focus on. You know, you're not focused on school. Because your main focus, uh, that's why I'm going to higher level, making that money. Because if you look at it, life is about how much money you make, right? No. But then, not. If when, you make life about that, seriously, well, if you make life about that. I'm not getting wrong, but let me finish. Uh, okay, good. It's about different cultures. We, we, I can, we got on this before. Coach, how much money you can make to take care of grandma too, grandma that ain't here at night. But certain cultures, you got to look at it there. Since after football, you got to look at what you're going to fall back on, right? Remember, we was always told that. What you going to fall back on if you get hurt? Right. There's only one thing to fall back on, and that's your education, unless you got some other skill, unless you got some 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 other. See, one of the problems with a lot of lot of big time players, big time athletes now, is that they think they're stars, and they're not. They're they're athletes, and when you can no longer be an athlete, you know, unless you unless you can sing or dance and be a star like you think or act, you're not a star. You may have some, you may have some transferable skills, but you're not a star. So you, you know you have a lot of these guys that think because they're making money and they can hang out with Jay Z that, that that they're part of that lifestyle. They're not. As long as you, if if you can't play ball, what skills do you have that that are marketable? What skills do you have that you can bring to the workplace? And if you can't if you can't function in, at a high level in the workplace, you're going back to, to entry level work. And that's why a lot of guys get in trouble because they they finish playing the game and they're looking for a job that's going to support their lifestyle, but they don't have the skills to to be in that kind of business. And so, you know, when I was in my second year in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. I hadn't finished school, and I had I had about four classes that I had to finish up, and I went and told Buddy Ryan that I'm going back to campus. Um, and my contract I was in the middle of a, I had to negotiate a new contract, and I had to go back to campus and go back in the classroom. And Buddy Ryan said to me, "You're going to make this club staying here, or you're going to have a diff- more difficult time if you go back to Syracuse and go back to the classroom." I said, "Buddy, I can't even get your job if I don't go back right. to Syracuse, and you got a, you're just a coach. I don't mean that in a condescending way, but you're right. a football coach." Right, and I can't even get your job. I can't even coach little league high school football unless I go back and get my degree. So I'm gonna sit there and let Buddy Ryan tell me that my future for for one, two, three, four years left in the NFL is 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 worth sacrificing the rest of my life. When I had my and I, I told him, you know where I went? I went back to Syracuse and went back yeah. in the classroom. I and I'm not one of those guys that that uh, two or three years out of the league, I'm broke. Two, three right. years. I left my. I left the, the 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 Canadian Football League after seven years of playing football. I took a job at Northeastern University in higher education during my last season, and and I'm not sitting here pounding my chest like I'm like I'm some smart guy. I'm telling you that the reason why these guys are bankrupt after the game, the reason why guys are selling drugs, is because they don't have any other options because they don't go. They didn't get an education. That's a failure of higher education. That's an indictment. I agree with you. It's an indictment in uh, higher education and passing these guys through. There's lots to blame. 
But I'm telling you, the, the key to moving on beyond the game, and, and, and if you think it's just about making money at the game, the, the, this is, the game is an illusion. And you know it. The game's an illusion. Yeah, yeah, and, and I totally agree with you, Don, because it's about, you know, um, you got to have some mental. If you don't, you messed up. And I, like I say, you know, you sit there every day, you go like, hey, I'm going to buy the drink for this. I'm going to go hang out, you know, like that. It's an illusion because you don't have nothing afterwards. That's right. You, you're not you're not that name every day. You know, you're not a general Philly. You know, I'm not give a shit anymore, do they, Don? They really don't. And and and, and you know, you hear a lot of players talk about it when they finish, and all of a sudden they go back to that restaurant or they go back, you know, to that place where they used to hang out when they were playing, and you know, no longer are they, are they you know, the, the, the talk of the town, and it's it's very humbling for you know, it's, it's very humbling for anybody. To go from that, I mean, what the, the the experience to be an athlete and to walk into a stadium where people are cheering and, and be able to go out there and perform the way we do, um, and then and all of a sudden to have that stop—that's difficult. That's difficult for a lot of people. And, and you know, I was talking to uh, a friend of mine the other day who works with John Madden, and John Madden's doing a lot for former players, and uh, and he's really trying to get the league to pay attention to taking care of former players and looking at the depression that a lot of players face when they when they stop playing because it is it is a in very many ways, an unnatural, um, very odd experience to, to live your life as a professional athlete, and then when it's gone, uh, the drop is is a is a greater drop than than you know because it's not just a drop in money; it's a drop in stature, it's a drop in your self confidence and, and your self worth. Uh, and so, a lot of guys go through a really hardcore depression unless they have something that that they are equally as passionate about. That fills them, not just money. That fills them and they're passionate about who they are. Because Don, you know, um, Andrew Luck. I remember. I think last year he elected to stay at Stanford, that he could finish, you know, get his degree, and then he'd come out. You know, I remember. You know, a lot of people are like, "Oh, you know, why is he doing that? Go ahead, you'll be drafted high." But like you said, one day he's not going to be playing football. You know, and then it's going to be like, okay, what else do I have other than that athletic ability that I just, maybe you got injured, you know, you can no longer play. And so I think what he, you know, but no one glamorizes what he did. You know, like, go stay in school. You, he only had one more year. Mm-hmm. And then he came out. So now when football's over, he's an architect. He has an That's architect right. degree. Brian, before you answer Paula's question, Paula, let me say this. Is that because Andrew knew he was going to be the first-round draft pick no matter when he come out? Go ahead and answer it, Don. <laughs> because if I'm just a regular James Loving, then I don't know how to be first round draft pick. Go back to nobody got to harp on that. So go ahead and answer it, Don. <laughs> you know what? I a- Andrew Andrew Luck's dad um, played in the NFL, uh-huh. and he's an administrator at West Virginia University, where he, where I actually played against him. Um, uh, Oliver Luck played against him uh, when I was in college. He was though he was a couple years ahead of me. And um, whether or not he was going to be a first-round pick, and I, I, I honestly don't think that had anything to do with it. I think it had everything to do with it, and I know his dad. And, in fact, I was on a panel with his dad last year, uh, the, the Sports Business Journal, uh, IMG Summit on Intercollegiate Athletics, and we had a chance to talk about a lot of the stuff that we're talking about now. And it, it is, you know, as much as you can say that that money matters, I'm telling you, that opportunity to be in college and have that experience in college, if you really pay attention to it, it lasts a lifetime. 
it lasts a lifetime. And, and, and you have a lot of players, and I hear this from a lot of people who have great NFL careers, but they always talk about their college years in a much different way because it, it is that unique and that special. And they identify with their college years almost sometimes. And I know guys who have, have won Super Bowls who, who still support their alma mater more than they support their, their, you know, their former NFL team. And so there's something special about that, and I and I think that just knowing Oliver Luck the way I do, Andrew's dad, that that had something to do with it. Um, less so the money, but I think to Paul's point, he's an architect from Stanford. And do you know how many people at Stanford appreciate him staying? Do you know those are the people that he's going to? I guarantee you, every single person that was saying he should have gone out, gone out, gone out. If he if he just gone out and and and, uh, and broke his leg or flopped out, none of those people are going to be there ready to do business with him. But all those people, all those alumni, the donors, the trustees at Stanford University, they all love and appreciate uh, Andrew Luck because he stayed at his school and made and, and lived up to the commitment that he made as a freshman, and they appreciate that. And those are the people. Trust me, I'm 47 years old. I just I'm just embarking on a new uh, um, a new venture, and, and some of the key people who are behind me are people who have a connection to Syracuse University, and that that's how you know we always wonder how people you know uh, make money, and, and it's it's the affiliations that you have, it's your community, it's your school, uh, it's your network, and your network is going to be able to support you. And trust me, Andrew Luck's network is so much stronger because he stayed at Stanford uh, and, and, and and fulfilled his obligation. To Stanford that he made that commitment to, that will serve him along with his degree for the rest of his life, whether he wins a Super Bowl or not. Well, Don, uh, how many more minutes we got you, Don? Uh, I got to jump off in a few. I got to get out to a meeting okay. in a minute. All right, before you <laughs> jump off, uh, Justin, I want to thank you again for being on, man. I mean, man, just good back talking with you. Crazy, I got we got back in touch. Like I said, the network, and then getting back to you, I don't even mean your network. We still family, Don. Uh, always will be, always will be, Jane. And, and, and you know, it's, it's to, to the point that you know I was just making, man. You know, when you, you you spend time with people and you create that network, you know, you know, you know they're gonna be there for you. So you know, I'm gonna be there for you anytime, and, and vice versa, because you know I'm gonna call you up next time I come into Wyoming. And I need a hookup and then Laramie. me. I know who yeah, to call. Yeah, yeah. Don, where are you gonna be at next? And tell the listeners for you know what you're doing. Uh, actually, I think the next stop for me is going to be down at the uh, NCAA does a leadership forum down in Dallas. I'll be down there next week doing some some work with some students, student athletes on life after the game, and and talking about how they should start thinking now uh, at this time in their lives about about when 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 they retire or when they leave college, uh, what what should they be thinking about now so they're not caught off guard when they're when they're walking out the door from their, their university. Anything you want to say to Don before you get off, Paula? No, it's just nice meeting you, Don. Nice meeting you too, Paula. Enjoy the conversation. I want to thank my guest, Don McPherson, the former Syracuse and all that, and the rest of film. I thank Paula for being my host today. Your internet flagship station for sports. 
Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fan's perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice American Network. And let's talk football. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're hooked up with Loving That Sports Talk. James Loving and his guests want to hear it from you. Call us at 1-888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or drop an email to lovingthatsportstalk at yahoo.com. Now, back to the show. This is James Loving. I want to thank my host for Loving That Sports Talk. I guess I'm going crazy because I'm excited. And I want to thank my guest, Donald Pearson, uh, one guy that played with me at the Philadelphia Eagles that was a mentor to me. I like to thank my other guest, Paul Lamar, from uh, Northern California, uh, a sports fanatic, you know everything about sports more than me, so we can get her on the show more, you know. But uh, I'd like to thank my guest, but, man, I just feel really thank the guest is on right now. Uh, I'm smiling every day, you know. It's a battle when you have kids and growing up, just to think, but, you know, uh, I have a special... Um, uh, I guess to just, just to have my daughter on the line. You have Mercedes? Yeah, I do. Hey, baby, how you doing? Good, just sitting here with Kiwi. Well, I'm going to get into that. I'd just like to thank you for being on my show. It always makes me smile when I have my daughter on the show. But I'm a granddad now. Is that crazy? I'm not that old. I'm only 29. I'm a granddad. That's but let's old, listen. Man. What? <laughs> That's old. <laughs> but let's listen. No, you just had a daughter. Tell everybody about it. Um, she is precious. She is now about a week and a couple of days old now. Her name is Keely. She's very how many pounds and what weight you know? Right now she is seven pounds and three ounces. She is, it looks like she's gonna be tall. She has long fingers and and big feet. <laughs> Well, I hope she'll look like you, because she's like, she's going to be big feet, long feet, and, and ugly, right? No. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> well, we'll say this good. I mean, like you say, uh, is Kitty going to be in the sports? I mean, like, I know I should be on you about playing basketball. Is she going to play ball? Um, I hope so. Whatever she wants to do, I'm going to try to expose her to it. Dan. 
sports, anything she wants. So, yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's go. Well, you know, we got like five minutes. So how is it being a mother now? Um, I love it. I can spend all day with her. I'm out of work right now. I'm maternity leave. I love it. You love little mama. Well, that's good. Let's get a crying in the back, huh? What you That's Keely crying in the background. Huh? I couldn't hear you. I said that's Keely crying in the background. Yeah. Well, I just want yeah, to thank you. Yeah, I hope she's into sports. I want her to I like basketball when I was younger. Yeah, you did. Uh, you did play sports. And kids yeah. Well, I want to put it out to say you told me don't embarrass you, but who you in love with in the basketball? Who's your guy? I think the last time I was on your show, we talked about this, too, and I said Carmelo. But I don't know. I I really don't have a favorite player. You're not a LeBron fan? Not too much. I really don't watch him as much as I watch, like, teams. I watch the Bulls. I like the Celtics. But not, like, one specific player. Well, before we end the show, we got to end in a little bit. You had tickets to the Celtic Laker game, and you got tickets. Tell the listeners about those tickets you had. Oh, my goodness. That was so much fun. That was, I think, Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. Was it Christmas Day they played Lakers and Celtics? Now, be honest. So you had tickets that was on top of the roof. Yeah, we were way on top. <laughs> I think we were on TV for a second, too. Oh, that, yeah. was, that was really fun. Well, I want to thank you so much. Let's listen to I have a grandbaby, and uh, I love you, brother. And I love you, babe. I love you, too, Dad. All right, well, this is another show. Now, Matt, I want to put it on the air. You, you still get that Tony Dorsett autograph jersey. Don't think I'll fake you out. It's there. It'll be there. So uh, this is Jay's Love and Nice Show. Uh, everybody give a, um, a shout-out to Matt and all he does for producing the show and doing everything with me. So another one of the show. We'll be back next week. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Loving That Sports Talk. But don't worry, James Loving will be back next week, Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Get ready to love more sports talk then. And keep in touch with James all week at lovingthatsportstalk at yahoo.com. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.